This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey everybody, welcome back into another Black and Blue Report podcast, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. We're back in Studio B today at the Osher Sports Performance Center. Uh, the Saints have wrapped up their practices in Metairie this week and get set to head to Los Angeles. So a lot has transpired since we last visited with you on both fronts. We have an NBA schedule to talk about today, a little more uh, so, and this time with the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. And there's pretty big off-the-field news here for the New Orleans Saints as they uh, seemingly have seen things go rather smoothly, I think, through training camp thus far. A little bump on the road here, though, this week. And uh, John DeShazer, fresh in from the practice field, is... Here to fill us in a little bit more. John, uh, the news regarding Delvin Bro has been a little bit of a roller coaster and took a pretty big dip today, I think. Well, it's one. Of, it's been one of those issues where, you know, you have that kind of dull pain that just won't go away, and, and now we know the, the exact reason for it. Delvin uh, originally diagnosed with a contusion, uh, and now we come to find out after a second opinion or maybe a third that it is instead a fractured fibula. And so... Uh, totally different, obviously. And uh, now Delvin, we know, will have surgery. Uh, he'll be out for at least six weeks uh, before he can get back. And the Saints also parted ways with two uh, team orthopedists, uh, primarily, I would assume, over this. Now, obviously, you know, there's an accumulation uh, of things that happen, but this being maybe the quote-unquote final straw to have uh, a misdiagnosis uh, to have to be corrected, and, and and it's one of those things where you know, Coach Payton, Sean Payton mentioned, look, I'd been I'd been pressing Delvin about getting back on the field based on the diagnosis. You know, you you tell me you have a concu- contusion, and uh, he probably was you know urging him to get back a little bit quicker than than was possible. Now we find out because Delvin obviously more seriously injured than originally believed. So on one hand. I guess for Delvin, at least, uh, a relief to find out, look, I'm, I'm not out of my mind here. I, I know something's wrong. And to finally get the diagnosis that matches his feelings on it is good for him. For the team, uh, obviously not so good because Delvin Bro has been kind of known to be the number one cornerback on this mm-hmm. team. Uh, and so to not have him for six weeks is going to hurt, obviously. And, and the third, you know, kind of somewhat unknown and, you know, Sean Payton addressed it and, and Thomas Morstead addressed it is now you you've got to repair that trust relationship between the organization and franchise and and players because players have seen this and now they're thinking okay uh, is the team going to have my best interest at heart and so that's one of the things that Sean Payton had to have talk to him about in the team meeting uh, it sounds like it went over well with the players based on what we heard from them but obviously now it's the thing that had to be addressed because when you see that situation happen with one of your teammates, uh, the next thing you think is, well, that could be me. And if it's you, then you feel a little, a little bit better now uh, that they've gone back and reevaluated and hopefully gotten it right. Yeah. Head coach Sean Payton was rather thorough after practice today in discussing the entire situation. He was even very specific about the break itself. As John mentioned, it's the fibula. It is a little bit lower than where the break occurred last season. They're going to go in there. Coach, you talked about the surgery. They're going to go in there, take the old plate off. That was um, there from last season's surgery. They're going to replate the whole situation there. 
And again, John said at least six weeks, but knock on wood, hopefully maybe just six weeks. We'll see. Um, but it was a very, very thorough conversation with the head coach. Um, and it's certainly the headline today. That's why John and I got right to that. We've got a great podcast for you. As we mentioned, we're going to visit with Pelicans head coach Alvin Gentry today. We'll also talk with Saints quarterback Garrett Grayson, who has a big week upcoming out in Los Angeles. And John, in light of everything that happened today, I'm glad that you caught up with P.J. Williams because obviously we're thinking about Delvin and and uh, in his situation, but the next part of that conversation is the ramifications that this has on the field for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, well, somebody's got to step up into that number one cornerback role, role so to speak. Uh, when you play a man-to-man, you've got to have a guy – uh, some guys, several obviously, that you feel can handle the duties. But P.J. Williams uh, was a starter alongside Delvin last year. He looks to have worked his way back with the number one uh, defense this year, even after that concussion where he only played about you know maybe five, six quarters last year. And so he looks like he's back ready. He said he feels great, feels fine. Uh, needed to get into a position. Uh, that first preseason game against Cleveland did him well because he needed to kind of get his face back into the briar patch, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so he, now he feels better about where he is. And obviously he's the guy that I think the Saints are going to be counting on to be that guy. Now they've got some good young corners, they believe, in Ken Crawley and Devontae Harris. And they've got a nice veteran in Sterling Moore and hopefully a promising rookie in Marshawn Lattimore. But P.J. Williams is a guy who, again, he, he worked his way into the starting lineup he came back from injury and has worked his way back into the starting lineup this year. So he's obviously a key component to what they want to do in that secondary. All right, timely then, to, certainly to have this visit to share with you today. Here's my partner, John DeShage, with P.J. Williams after practice on this Wednesday. P.J., obviously difficult situation today for this organization. You find out your cornerback brother, Delvin Bro, out for another six weeks with a broken fibula. Just what are your initial thoughts? Uh, man, it's definitely tough, man. We feel for him. Uh, He's a, he's a great player out there, and we, we all look up to him, uh, to his game. So we definitely feel for him, but we're definitely looking to step it up for him and make sure we're not losing step on our defense and, and, and making sure we're uh, in the right position. Is this a situation where the organization has to reassure you guys in the locker room that you know everything medically is being done correctly to, to keep you guys healthy? Yeah, I definitely think that plays a part. But uh, at the end of the day, we gotta we got to trust the situation we're in and can and control what we can control. You were in somewhat of a similar situation last year, I guess, with the concussion. You only played about a game and a half. Uh, just what are your thoughts about, I guess, the way you were evaluated last year and how things went along? Uh, I definitely think my situation was evaluated the right way because it was a, a pretty bad uh, situation, and, and not only for football but for life. So uh, they definitely, I feel like they definitely made the, the right decision. And, and I'm back this year uh, looking to come back hard. Yeah, now we come on to this year, and now you've worked your way back to playing with the ones uh, in practice and, and starting these games. Did you feel like you were going to be on that path? Uh, I wasn't sure. I was just looking to come back and compete and make sure I got back to where I need to be. But I also trained hard this offseason and to put myself in that position. But uh, the coaches uh, put me in a position to be able to earn the starting spot, and I'm definitely looking to uh, keep that. You know, having climbed the ladder last year and becoming a starter after you've been here and been through some things, and now having to guys redo it, did you have to pretty much retrace your steps? Uh, sort of, sort of. But at the end of the day, it's just a lot of hard work, a lot of technical things that we got to work on, and and a lot of competition because uh, our defense was uh, was not 
in the top end of the uh, league last year. So at the end of the day, we all had to get better. So we are here competing every day. You know, Coach Payton said coming into this training camp that you know the cornerback names were written down in pencil. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're getting a little closer to ink? Uh, not really. I don't really think about that much. I mean, we got a few more preseason games. We got to stay healthy. We got to keep competing, getting better, communicating, and making sure we uh, got all our got, got everything down. So uh, not really thinking about that right now. Just looking to get better. You you guys essentially played last season without yourself and Delvin. Do you feel like you have, I guess, the necessary depth to be able to, I guess, withstand it again this year? Now a lot of those guys got a lot of experience last year. Ken Crawley, Devontae Harris, Sterling Moore played a lot, but do you feel like you have sufficient depth to be able to get through it this year? Oh yeah, man. I definitely think a lot of the guys we got uh, have gotten so much better, including myself. So I definitely think a lot of the guys we got can play and uh, can make a big impact. Any hesitation on your part, or was there any trepidation on your part to initially? Nah, nah, no hesitation. I was ready to go, man. I was ready to uh, – it just felt good to get back in there and, and put stick my head in there on a few plays, but no hesitation. Now you guys have had one preseason game under your belt, getting ready to go to San Diego. Just your thoughts about, I guess, going up against the Chargers and what they present. Oh, man, it's going to be a great look. They got some pretty good receivers where our cornerback's going to get a good look from them all week and also in the game. So uh, we're looking forward to going out there and competing with those guys and, and measuring up our game against another team instead of going against each other in practice every day. You know, I was about to say, how much more fun is it to go up against somebody else that's not in your uniform? Oh, it's fun, man, because we compete and you don't know what they're coming at you with. So you got to work your technique a little bit more instead of just knowing what uh, one guy is doing most of the time. So it's good, and it's, it's a good look for us, and we're definitely looking for the challenge. John, good stuff. We traveled today, don't we? Off to Los Angeles. Yeah, time to get it, man. Let's get out there. Um, I'm hearing fantastic things about the weather, just outstanding, fantastic <laughs> things about the weather. So I'm looking forward to that as much as I am to joint practices. Now, do I want to see a scrap or a scrape or a scuffle or two or – yeah, probably. That's, just, that's true, though. <laughs> but, uh, but, hey, man, the weather, from what I hear, man, is like, you know, maybe like mid to high 70s and, and then the lows in the 60s at night. This is going to be Chamber of Commerce type stuff. I shouldn't be saying that here in South Louisiana because, you know, I know folks around here are baking, but, you know, so what? I hey. Like- I'd like to, for folks to re- listen to the rest of today's podcast, if that's okay with you. Well, hey, don't hate, don't hate the player. Hate the weather. <laughs> hate the weather. <laughs> True enough. Go get your bags packed. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll visit with Saints quarterback Garrett Grayson. Big week for him. And still to come, Pelicans head coach Alvin Gentry on what he sees right now with regard to the Pelicans NBA schedule, which was released uh, two days ago. Stay with us. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing touchdown Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, as you heard JD mention in the first segment, you know the weather. As all of us who live in Southeast Louisiana have been experiencing the last couple of days, it's been brutally hot and humid. Uh, yesterday, after practice, a very hot and humid session, had the chance to catch up with Saints quarterback Garrett Grayson. 
the third-round draft choice, is in a battle right now, not only with Ryan Nassib, but maybe with himself as far as staying on this roster as perhaps the third quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Practice squad a year ago, trying to make big strides here in this offseason slash preseason. We talked about that and his first preseason action of the year last week at Cleveland. Garrett, well, well, can I make this conversation all over the map? Let's just go back to Thursday and, and your first preseason game of the season. What did you yep. take away from that? Um, you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's a couple mistakes that I made. I think of holding on to the ball a little bit too long in certain plays and putting our O-line in a tough position, um, trying to force things instead of just taking what the defense gives me and checking it down. But um, And then obviously we all know about the fumble. Uh, do a better job there holding on to the ball. Um, you know, because in that situation, better just take a sack and punt it away. But um, overall, I think it, you know, played okay. I don't think it was great. I don't think it was bad. Um, always things you can improve on. Um, and like all, we're all striving to be perfect in everything we do. And so when you don't come out of the game and feel like you were perfect, you're, you're going to be upset. And that's kind of how it was. I kind of I felt like that, that fumble was going to still be yep. eating at you a little bit. Yeah, no, it, it's, it ate at me for probably, you know, we, we try and move on and say 24 hours is as long as you want to think about it. But I'd say it was probably a good 48 hours that I was thinking about that play just because that ended up being, you know, kind of how they ended up winning the game. Um, we all know the final score, and if you take those seven points away from them, we ended up winning the game. So um, it ate at me for a while. I put the defense in a tough spot, um, and so that's something, you know, I can't do. Garrett, it wasn't all bad. There were some things you did right. And, and in your, in your I guess, view, were the things that felt right maybe more so than ever before? Absolutely. I think um, – you know, talking with my family and, and, and friends and even the teammates, you know, everybody um, had their own opinion about how the game went. And um, I got a lot of compliments from from people, you know, that I hadn't talked to in, in a while, just saying, you know, that I looked way more comfortable and confident out there. And it didn't look like I was maybe thinking through the plays like I was last year. And so um, to hear that and, you know, people that are in the outside world just kind of looking in and, and seeing, you know, comparing things to last year and then this year. Um, that goes a long ways for me because I know what I put into it this off season, And um, so it, that was a big confidence booster for me. And, you know, I'm just out here trying to get better every single day. You just alluded to it um, that admittedly I think that folks in many circles felt like you had to have big improvement coming mm-hmm. into this year. Yep. Um, whatever big is, that's relative. Yep. But is that fair? It, sometimes to put that big of a step in front of a young player like yourself? Um, no, I, I think it's I think it's you know it's fine. Whatever whatever anyone wants to think and any expectations, any amount of pressure, whatever anyone wants to put on me, I, I promise you, it's not any more pressure than I put on myself. Um, and so you know, I went into this off season knowing the expectations that were going to come. You know, with being a third round pick and and being one of the quarterbacks behind Drew Brees, everybody you know because he's. You know, first bad Hall of Famer, and, and has been this. You know, I don't want to say perfect quarterback, but he has been for a long time. And so, um, there's going to be coming expectations when you're backing him up, and I'm totally fine with it. Um, you know, I'll respect it, and I, and I expect it. Um, that's something. You know, if you're if you're going to play the quarterback position in the NFL, those expectations are going to come. And so, um, you know, I think I worked my butt off to get here, and and you know, I'm I'm welcoming the challenge. So, Garrett. It- if you're going to let it rip and you want to play loose and free, you know, like a pitcher says he wants to do, um, how do you do that? But at the same time, you want to avoid that that big mistake that you know is going to get magnified because everybody wants Garrett Grayson to be so much better than he was. Yeah, I think um, that's one of those things you you can only control what you can can control, and that's something we had Carl Lewis talk to us last night, um, and he said he never worried about guys that he was running or jumping against. He always just focused on himself, what he can do to get better every single day um, and be better than he was yesterday. And that's something, you know, whatever is going on in the outside world, 
I'm not worried about it. You know, I'm only worried about myself and what I can control and, um, and making sure when the time comes, I do let it rip. And um, if the mistake comes, you know, we can come back and fix it. Um, but I, that's something, you know, it's out of my control. And I'm just worried about myself and trying to get better every day. What did you do away from here? You know, we get to see every move you make around this building. Yep. In the past offseason, what did you do away from here in order to be better? Um, I went out to the University of Florida where, uh, you know, head coach, Coach McElwain is. Spent a lot of time with him, um, and he actually has Charlie Fry and his staff now, um, who's spent five, six years, I think it was, in the NFL. Um, so he, he spent a lot of time with me and, and he just kind of talked me through things and what to expect out of certain plays and certain coverages, and um, he slowed the game down a lot for me, and that was something, you know, I think I obviously needed. Um, and he told me, you know, just go out and play. Don't just react to what you see. Don't try and force everything. Because uh, that thing, I think that's what I did a lot last year was trying to force it and, and make the play happen instead of just letting it. What would make you smile most this coming Sunday at Los Angeles? Uh, if we come out with a win, you know. I, obviously, I want to play well. Um, we all do, but uh, you know, we all ha- kind of have a sour taste in our mouth after that last game. So I think if we come out with a win, you know, and everybody does their job, um, everybody will leave with a smile. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Perfect. Thank yep. you. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Coming up on Friday's Black and Blue Report, we'll obviously have a a report for you from Costa Mesa, practice between the Saints and the Chargers. Daniel Salerson will be hosting, and uh, he'll have a roundtable discussion uh, with myself and Jim Eichenhofer regarding the Pelicans' schedule. That'll kind of put a wrap on our coverage for the week and really trying to break apart the Pelican schedule and what we think it says or means or anything else. It'll be a deep, deep dive as it's been all week. Uh, And again, that's yours on Friday. This series of reports, I guess, or conversations regarding the Pelican schedule continues here today with Pelicans head coach Alvin Gentry. Coach was kind enough to spend a few minutes with us earlier this morning. And here's what we talked about with regard to that 82-game slate that begins in October. Coach, first of all, it's great to see you again. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has been a little while. I've been traveling a little bit, you know. Uh, took a nice trip to Africa with Basketball Without Borders and just kind of been relaxing uh, a little bit, doing a couple of other things here and there. But uh, it's been great, and it's, it's time to get back to work. It really is. You've spent a lot of summer talking about new additions to your roster, uh, bolstering your roster, all that. And now finally we'll get to see that roster come together here in a few weeks. And then the schedule. The schedule will begin. We finally got the schedule this week, too. It's kind of like Christmas in the summer, isn't it? Uh, it is. And uh, uh, when you get it, you know, you always look at it and go, oh, I can't believe this is happening or this. But there's also uh, situations on there where you go, wow, this is a good little stretch here. So I think that's where they're all 30 teams. So I don't, I don't think there's anything, you know. Now, I, I am a wee bit concerned that our first two home games are the two teams that played in the NBA Finals last year, and I don't think that's ever happened. I don't know of anybody that you can go back. I would like to know the last team that played the the, the NBA champs and the runner-up in their first two games at home. 
I'd have never guessed that you would have described that opening two games at home as a wee bit. That's not the choice of words I thought you'd go with. Well, I'm trying to be nice about it, but, you know, uh, if this is being done by computer, uh, we have to we have to then reprogram that computer because I think we played Golden State the three uh, – every every home opener since I've been here. And, and I don't know if they think, like, I've got this uh, – nice relationship or something or want to play Golden State early on, but I'd like to have them as far down the schedule as we can get, you know. That's fair. What else jumped out of the out at you about the schedule when you first started going through it? Oh, uh, you know, obviously we were on the road quite a bit the first uh, month and a half of the season. Uh, but that being said, then you got to always have somewhere along the line where you make it up where you have good home stands. So I know in March – uh, I think we have four or five road games or something like that. So, uh, you know, we got a, a, a lot of games at home. Uh, we also have stretches of games at home. Uh, you know, in December, we, we've got four straight at home, <clears throat> and then three straight at the end of the month. Um, you know, the same thing when we get to March. Uh, we've got five straight at home and six out of seven at home. Uh, so those are the, the things you got to look at and, and just kind of, uh, look at the schedule, but for us, uh, you know, they've taken away a lot of back-to-back games from everyone, and I think we have the least amount. I think we have 11 on our schedule, so uh, just starting the season that much earlier, I think it helps everything out, and I think what it does is it eliminates the need for, I think, for uh, coaches to feel like they need to set players out. Uh, I think that's the, uh, another thing that they were trying to address, uh, put themselves in a situation so that wouldn't be happening. When you and your staff have talked about the way the schedule lays out now, I guess timeline-wise, starting a week earlier, as you mentioned, greater gaps, less back-to-backs, will you will you coach through the season differently as a result? No, I don't think so. I just think you uh, you look at certain situations and you go, hey, we got three and four nights here. Uh, we may have to take the second night off so that uh, you know the guys get a little rest. And I think you look at it that way. What they've tried to eliminate is uh, – the three and four night things are, you know, five and seven nights uh, so that uh, you can feel like you can play all your players and, and you don't get them run down. Coach, you talked about the importance of a great start to the season. And uh, in the last two seasons here in New Orleans, you've had to deal with a slew of injuries, not having a full complement of players to start the season. This year, you, I know you'll hope to have something better in that category. But as far as putting, I guess, putting it out there that, Yes, this team does just need to start fast, whatever adjective you want to use, but yet not overemphasizing that part of the schedule as well. Is there a balance, Coach? Yeah, there is a balance because the one thing that we have going for us is that, you know, we play eight, an 82-game schedule. It's a little bit different uh, than the uh, NFL where, you know, you play 16 games and all of a sudden, you know, you drop two, three games here. It's really tough to make them up. Uh, in, our, in our situation – uh, with 82 games, and, and we do play a, a very tough schedule to start the, the season, but that's okay because we're in a situation where if we get off to a great start, then we're also going to have some uh, uh, situations where we're playing a bunch of home games and we can and, and we can really, you know, take off. So uh, I've never really looked at it or analyzed it so completely other than the fact that, like I said, we're playing the NBA champs and the runner-ups, our first two home games. But after that, you know, I think you look at the schedule and you go, Hey, whoever we play at home, we should expect to win. And then you got to find a way to try to win half your games on the road. 
Coach, were you telling me the other day that there was a year in Phoenix that you were there that it was a tough start to the schedule and your team stepped up and it paid big dividends down the road? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think that we had a tough start, played a lot of uh, games early on uh, on the road. We were able to go, go on the road and have some success. So then we hit that next spot and uh, all of a sudden uh, we're playing well and uh, we ended up, you know, winning 54 games that year and uh, going to the Western Conference Finals. As far as the Western Conference goes, has the landscape changed a great deal in your eyes? Uh, no, I still think Golden State is obviously the team to beat, and they didn't do anything to, to make you think that they uh, wouldn't be a, a, a solid team or maybe even better that KD's been there for a year now and adjusted. Um, so obviously they're the favorites. I think Houston is going to always be a challenge, and I think obviously when you add Chris Paul, uh, that helps the situation. Um uh, San Antonio is San Antonio. Everybody, they've been counting them out now. For I think this is the 18th year they've counted them out. And they're going to always be right there, uh, you know. So I, I, uh, the Clippers will be an interesting team in that. How do they play without Chris Paul? Are they going to have better ball movement and things like that? But uh, you look at all those situations, and then you got some good young teams like uh, Phoenix is a very talented young team. Um, I like our team, you know, when we're healthy and we have everybody there and, you know, adding Rondo and DeMarcus to the mix in a training camp situation, I think it's going to be very good. And, uh, you know, having Drew back in the fold, uh, Anthony has worked his butt off and I think he'll be a much better player than he was last year because of the, the, the physicality of the game. I think he's going to be able to obviously do that and, and deal with that a lot more because he's a lot stronger. Because of the situation in the East Coast, and again, no disrespecting the teams in the East, do you have to put a premium on feasting on the East a little bit because of maybe the, the imbalance of West versus East like we saw several years back? Well, I think you got to try to have some success. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the uh, East is not as strong as the West. And, you know, when you bring Paul George over and, you know, all of a sudden uh, – you know, you got a couple of guys. You know, Jimmy is you know is is over at Minnesota now, so uh, uh, it just gotten a, uh, a lot better. Uh, so I think whatever to me, the most important thing is that it doesn't matter who you play. You have to have some success at home. You've got to you know try to find a way to win 30, 32 games at home, uh, and then you know play as well as you can on the road. And if you can get on that roll early, maybe those fans will be there for you in full force at home. That would be a big lift. Well, let's hope so because I know the fan base here has been great, you know, and I know we've struggled uh, the last two years, but it hadn't been because of the support we have because I think the fans here are, are great fans and very supportive of the team. So, you know, we have to go out on the floor now and give them something to cheer for. Training camp's almost here, isn't it, Coach? Uh, right around the corner. <laughs> not, very, not very far at all. Uh, we're doing some work and preparation stuff, but uh, it'll be here before you know it. Thanks, Coach. All right, thank you. All right, as always, thanks to Alvin Gentry. He's so good to us, and he always wants to communicate with Pelicans fans, fans in general. Good stuff there. Long way to go until that schedule starts, but gosh, when we get past the Labor Day weekend, it'll really crank up in a hurry as players will be here, engaged, and getting ready for the start of training camp. Okay, that'll do it for us on a very busy Wednesday. Thanks again to uh, John DeShazer for stopping by uh, and sharing a little bit of the Delvin Bro situation with us uh, from his perspective today. Uh, he also had a great visit with P.J. Williams. Appreciate that, too, and Garrett Grayson as well. Uh, the Saints traveling uh, late Wednesday and will be on the practice field Thursday morning. Practice 
is set to begin at 10 Pacific, noon Central, Chargers and uh, Saints from Costa Mesa. I'll look forward to giving you a bit of that on Friday when we reconvene and during this uh, very podcast. Daniel Salerson will be there. He's been with us in the studio today helping us put it all together. We hope that you have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll see you next time here on the Black and Blue Report.